This is a CBC Podcast. Flight 2018 for Pyeongchang, now boarding. Canmore, Alberta's Nordic Center has a lot going for it. And it is a cross-country facility that is the envy of any ski team you could name. On a recent windy day, I went there to connect with a young man who made history in 2017. He helped Canada win its first ever World Championship Relay Medal. I was pointed in his direction as a potential guest by being boldly told he's Canada's most interesting Olympian. And I may have to agree. There's an old saying that if you want people to listen, you have to whisper. And I think my companion for the day would respect that notion. Knut Jansgaard is a paradox, a friendly man who treasures his alone time. And when it comes to alone time, he really means it. This is PYC Podcast. I am Kelly Vanderbeek, Olympic downhiller turned broadcaster and host to CBC Olympic Games Overnight. Now, if you're going to remember one thing about Knut Jansgaard, it's not where he's going, it's where he's from. Where are you from, Knut? I'm from Whitehorse, Yukon. Okay, not actually Whitehorse. What town are you actually from? <laughs> I grew up in Mount Lorne, outside of Whitehorse. Population of? Um, 100? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you probably go and count heads. Uh, yeah, you know, you know your neighbors. Okay, well, you live in Canmore, Alberta, but this is not what you consider home. Why is that, and what brings you back to your roots so fiercely? Um, I really have a love and passion for the Yukon. Uh, it's where I was born and raised, and um, I'm still still 100% Yukoner. And I moved to Canmore a couple years ago to to train with the national ski team here. See, most of Canadians they they come here for the quiet, but you think it's too busy? Yeah. Um, I think Calgary is uh, however many million people live in Calgary and this is such a beautiful place that they can get to only an hour away so I find it hard to get away from people sometimes which uh, I kind of kind of like peace and, peace and quiet and kind of a solitary dude sometimes so I like to have some time to myself but it's uh, it's often hard hard to find here in such a busy and beautiful place where everyone's Everyone's climbing up the same mountains to get their Instagram photos, so it's, it's really hard. <laughs> okay, what's on your Instagram feed then? There's probably only a photo every every month or two, so starting to understand that's maybe a little bit important for uh, for sponsors and for uh, get the get get your name out there to try and get some funding and and this and that. So yeah, it's a part of the world. I'm I'm still stuck on quiet hikes here in Canmore being too busy for you. How do you survive Europe? I mean, Europe is stacked with people. When I return home from Europe, that's why I try and seek out quiet places to to relax and have have some downtime because I just know that when I go to Europe, it's so many uh so many busy busy venues that we're visiting that um yeah, I've kind of just accepted that it's a part of my sport and part of part of dealing with that is just balancing it out and trying to trying to seek out those not so bustling places when I'm back home. Talk about some of those not so bustling places and how you've drawn skill sets from that world into your athletic world. 
really like uh, the outdoors and fishing in particular is just really really neat because it, it takes a lot of a lot of patience sometimes and uh, whether you're ice fishing and just sitting up staring at a, a hole in the ice and looking down there and just wondering wondering whether a fish is gonna bite and you're just uh, let your mind wander and what do you think about other things other than your your sport that you're so tied into and on that note I mean a lot of athletes they live very monastic lives I mean they're training physio video go to bed eat sleep repeat eat sleep repeat train and it seems like you're a bit out of the ordinary especially how you recharge yeah I, I really like trying to make things myself rather than buy them in the store so you know if I need um, yeah see I, if I have a need I think how do I buy it if you have a need what do you what's your first go-to <laughs> uh, I try and find something on the ground or <laughs> in the recycling <laughs> that I can uh, that I can fix or jerry-rig into into yeah into something I can use so well, take us through your grocery shopping I mean in one month what does your grocery shopping look like compared to your average person and why <laughs> Um, I harvest all of my own meat, um, which I'm, I'm, I'm quite passionate about the environment. I've always loved that kind of hundred mile diet type of, uh, I'm not, I'm not really, um, strict on my diet on any means, but I, I definitely really like to, and any, anything I can find close by or grow myself, I, I love uh, having having little herbs and stuff in the garden and going out and harvesting anything I can from the forest like mushrooms or berries or anything uh, anything I can put in my oatmeal in the morning <laughs> gives me a lot of pride and joy to to be eating something healthy that um, came from my backyard. You've called yourself a wild card on the ski team, and you were a last-minute addition to the relay team that won bronze in the Worlds last year. What's the wildest trip you've ever been on outside of sport? Done some pretty epic uh, solo hunting trips. Um, I I did one a couple years ago, which um, I don't know if it was beneficial to my ski training or not, but I I ended up harvesting a uh, caribou, a uh, large male caribou, about 25k from from the road. It's it's going in and then coming out with the load and then going back in and then coming out with the load. So it's, it's yeah, ends up being like almost hundreds of k by the time you're finished. So probably not good for your training. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, good for your, good for your um, mental, uh, mental training. Mental strength. Yeah. yeah. There's almost no point where I was um, more more satisfied with myself and kind of proud of myself for, for doing something so hard and um, yeah, it's almost just when I when I found out I made the Olympic team it was just that, that immense feeling of satisfaction and self fulfillment is kind of what I I also seek outside of sport. And you got that from when you had to trek and get that animal out of the woods? Yeah. You just mentioned qualifying for the Olympics. When did the penny drop that you might not only just go, but you've got a shot at something more? <laughs> uh, I guess it, it would have been 
in the in that relay when um, skiing with skiing with some of the best uh, best top skiers in the world and we we'd never got a relay medal before ever and to to have that happen and it just seemed so so natural and made you think why not why not just do it again at the Olympics well, I mean, we're sitting actually right now in the Nordic Centre at Canmore. The massive Canadian flag is flapping in the background over our head. But there's a difference between participating and competing. And do you feel like you're competing now? Uh, yes, I feel like there's um, really good opportunity. And no Canadian man has ever won an Olympic medal before. And I think our team has a really good shot to make that not the case anymore all right okay who's the wink like i gotta get a bit of dirt here you've got devin kershaw alex harvey and lenny valgis is is there a weak link amongst you guys oh it's it's me for sure <laughs> <laughs> a guy who can huck and get an animal out of 25k i don't know i'm not sure you're the weak link but i guess you're the youngest link perhaps yeah those guys all have have proven results individually and uh they've they've been on the world cup circuit for years and years longer than i have so um i've just i can only hope that one day it'll amount to as much as they already have so what do you learn from them all sorts of things mainly how to how to ski well (laughs) i'm always following them in training and looking at their their technique and uh, their their movements and then uh, also their recovery habits and what they do outside of training and um, my good friend Lenny Valius he's much the same as I am in the way that he has he has lots of hobbies on the go all the time too and we're we hang out and we're really good friends out, outside of training and um, yeah he, he really goes he really taught me that you know you you have to have something else you have to be having fun because there's no point in pursuing something that you don't find enjoyable and what have you taught them oh i don't know um i probably just teach them bad habits (laughs) and some of your skills i mean again sewing foraging hunting have they ever come in handy on the World Cup cross-country circuit? At training camps, I when we do have uh, uh, access to a kitchen, I always love uh, preparing a meal for the team. And, um, you know, every now and then when you have a, a little equipment failure or something to be able to... You're the guy to go to? You're the MacGyver of the team? <laughs> We've got MacGyver. I love it. I was actually just sewing some sponsor patches on some of my clothing and uh, things like that. So there's always there's always little things that uh, pop up that are just hand, handy to have those skill sets in your pocket. So you're saying duct tape is not needed when you're around? Because see, duct tape was our go-to. If we had a problem, it was duct tape. So if you have Knut around, then oh. you just need you? Yeah, duct tape has its uses. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Oh. I mean, you have some interesting takes on on hunting and how you eat and where you collect your food. But what do you, and how do you define health? There's a couple different kinds of health. And uh, physical health is only one aspect. And I think um, that's kind of the thing that pops into most people's mind, which is, I think it's just kind of too obvious. You can tell just by looking at somebody if they're, physically healthy but uh, I think a a big one is mental health and I think it's a very important part of 
sport and I think it's something that a lot of people try and hide and it's easy to um, to get down on yourself with uh, poor results or uh, you know you're not meeting your goals so I think I define health as being happy. Where do you find your health? I find my health in um, nature. The Yukon? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and what's, can you describe your relationship with the Olympics? Of course the Olympics is always kind of a dream as a kid, but um, it's not it's not something that I, it's something I've always strived for, but I, I remember my mom telling me like, you're gonna go to the Olympics, Canute, and <laughs> I, Why Why did I, she say that? Because uh, moms know everything. Did she, did she see something in you? Because, I mean, you were, I mean, there's a scar in your hand from a squirrel battle with a saber-toothed squirrel when you were a kid. So, I mean, you have some battle wounds. So what did she see in you? Uh, I don't know. You know mom, moms see everything. But, uh, yeah, I kind of told her, oh, go on. Like, I'm not, you know, that that's, that's dreaming. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was maybe five or six years ago. And, um, yeah, here I am. So, um when did you realize it was a possibility? Uh, I think making the national ski team a few years ago, that kind of, that kind of really, uh, that was a huge step. Um, I'd trained for you know, over a decade to try and make it to that point. And when I made the national team, that was the next step is kind of to make it to the world stage, so. Tell me a little bit about when you first started cross country skiing and what that team and how you trained, what that looked like. Oh yeah, we had some kind of great, great volunteer parents when I was uh, first growing up. Um, a good family friend, Dave Brooke, would have would have us running around with blocks of firewood in our in our hands, kind of just running, bashing. As, as you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or we'd uh, you know just just go on hikes. It wasn't it wasn't serious. We weren't um, you know we 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 weren't working on technique or anything we're just going out on our skis and bashing through the woods in the dark and on you know bushwhacking making our own trails and uh we'd be sitting on the back of the track setter to put more weight on the to put a track into the snow and um now you mentioned the dark there so yeah it's the yukon you're going to school and it gets dark almost all day when how did you ski uh, yeah, we'd get off the school bus at, you know, four o'clock, and by that time in December in the Yukon, it's dark already, so kind of just head out in the dark, no headlamp or anything, but you get to know, you get to know your trails and, um, know the turns and the downhills, and it just, just feels natural. So, so if the power goes out in Pyeongchang, no problem for you. You got it. Yeah, for the most part, we actually did have my friend had a pretty good accident when we were when we were quite young. He had a opened a gash on his head, and we actually didn't know how bad it was because nobody had anything, uh, nobody had a light or anything to see. So we ended up walking to the nearest um, subdivision and getting him a ride to the hospital. But yeah, for the most part. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident skiing in the dark. <laughs> I want to thank you for chatting with me, first of all. But also, I want to 
I want to know why this pursuit for the Olympics. It's something I've I've worked towards for a really really long time, and I'm have a very stubborn personality, and it's 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 something that I have to do I have to do for myself, and I really like challenging myself and. Skiing, in my opinion, is one of the hardest sports out there, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a huge challenge, and it's something that means a lot to me to try and keep keep striving higher. Do you think you have thick skin, or grit? We'll use the word grit. Do you think you have grit? Ah, uh, yeah, but I th- I think there's I think there's more than there's more to skiing unfortunately than just uh going out in there and suffering how about life though beyond (laughs) skiing like do you think it serves you well uh yeah i think i think a lot of it is um yeah how much you can hurt and um i think you i think a lot of the activities that i that i do out outside of skiing really can help and relate to relate to cross-country skiing um, just by yeah how how hard how hard you can push yourself well you push yourself pretty hard thank you so much for chatting with me Knut that's great and for reminding me that a totally inadequate with my sewing and foraging and cooking and harvesting skills so um, on that note while you go ahead and continue in all those pursuits as well as being a world-class cross-country skier. Good luck and thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, now we can have our hot tea. (laughs) Cheers. And cheers to our listeners. Thanks for spending the time with PYC Podcast. I'm Kelly Vanderbeek. Andrea Morales is our editor and mixer. David Giddens is our producer. Ken Wolf is the exec. We're on iTunes. So if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.